All right, let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. And uh, we'll read up to verse 10. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Sounds familiar, right? This is about the fourth time that God has said this. In so, in so many words, this is about the fourth encounter. Um, if you guys remember two weeks ago, um, God shows up, uh, has a, you know, makes a promise, has the covenant, uh, they separate from Lot. And um, now another period of time has passed. And, and uh, after that incredible encounter where, where Abraham and God make a covenant, God cuts a deal. Chapter 15, immediately after that in chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah basically sin against God. And um, they have Ishmael, right? And so after that, then it's chapter 17. And, and you know, uh, it's, it's not exact precise. Maybe, maybe I think maybe 10 years, according to some scholars. But some amount of time has gone by. And so God shows up again, right? Um, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Um, Abram, Abram means father of many. Abraham means father of many nations. Okay, So Abram means father of many. Abraham means father of many nations. Uh, Sarai, her name changes to Sarah. Um, uh, some scholars' translation says Sarai means my joy, my princess. Uh, Sarah means the joy, the princess of, you know, the idea of the shift is uh, uh, Sarah was just Abraham's joy, Abraham's princess. Um, but now she is the joy, the, you know, the, the giver of joy, uh, in, in the sense that many nations comes out of her and, and Abraham. Okay, a bit of a loose translation, you know, depending on what scholar or commentary you read. Um, but God gives a significant name change. No longer are you the father of many, but the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, verse 6. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, the generations to come. This is my covenant with you, and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, well, I'll read a little bit more. Verse 17. Uh, God says, uh, As for Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. 
Verse 16, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And then verse 17, Abraham faced, uh, fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, uh, he, he continues on, and then he mentions, you know, the, the blessing is going to come through Isaac, not Ishmael. Um, and then on 23, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household were bought with money and so forth. And uh, Abraham had everyone circumcised on that very day. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> um, two points I want to draw uh, this morning, one from today's passage and one sort of previous and also kind of covering just in general, the, as we've been going through Genesis, <clears throat> as I was reading and reviewing and studying, I, <clears throat> I noticed that God would show up and make a promise, and then it would just take some time. Right? So God, God has a... Uh, from the moment Abraham leaves... Uh, from the first call of Abraham is when he's 70. Okay? Um, at the age of 75, the first covenant... Uh, at the age of 85, the second covenant, and then he's now 99. So the first, you know, uh, the first call to leave his home, leave your family, the first covenant, look, you know, I promise to make you, you know, father of many nations by his word. Second covenant was the sacrifice uh, uh, where, where God cuts a deal, where God walks through the, the cut animals. Uh, and then third, this is the third time, uh, depending on how you count it, maybe the fourth time he shows up and says the same thing over and over again. I'm going to make you great. Right? But a lot of time has passed. Um, 70 from the call. 75 from the first covenant. Um, 86 when he walks through the contract. Doesn't actually have uh, uh, Isaac until he's 99. 30 years. God promised, but it took 30 years. And that's why, like, you know, five years goes by, Abraham starts to wane, God shows up. Hey, 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 don't forget the promise. Here, here's the sign, my word. Another 10 years goes by, Abraham starts to wane. Hey, 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 don't, don't forget my promise, right? Makes the contract, right, where God walks through. Another few years goes by, nothing happens, uh, um, actually breaks, you know, the law, sins, uh, Ishmael, um, waning, God shows up again, hey, 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 don't forget the promise, right? And this time he, he implements the uh, circumcision uh, as, as, a, as another sign, as another uh, reminder. couple things we should figure out in our faith in our walk with Jesus, in, in, in our relationship, okay? When God promises something, okay? God gives you a promise, amen? Yes, something specific, a download. And that's awesome. When we desire something, right? And, and we believe God wants to, you know, bring those things to fruition, that, that's also good. So whether, whether God audibly, you know, verbally or prophetically somehow gives you a promise or whether it's, it's something, you know, we've been praying for for a long time, right? Healing for a loved one, breakthroughs. 
you know, all, all those things are good. But we have to, here's, here's a lesson, you have to leave the timing up to God. No matter how awesome that promise sounds to you. No matter how much you know He wants it for you. <laughs> Amen? You gotta leave the timing up to God. That's usually where the problems happen. Okay? Usually it's the timing aspect. Because it's not according to our timing, or it's not according, or God is too late. God is not late. Okay? Um, we see here that it took you know some 30 years, some multiple reassurances, you know, revisitations. If you knew, okay, whatever age you are now, if you knew that by the age of 60, I'm trying to make it relative because the timing of how long they live is quite different, you know, but I, I did the math, they live twice as long, so I don't know, you know. Um, if you knew at the age of 60 you were going to hit the jackpot and, and be a billionaire, like you just, you know what I mean? Like I, I met when I was um, pastoring in Beijing, met a whole bunch of people, startups, and this one guy who just built this huge company. And, and I think you hear stories of you know people like this in their startups. The first like five, six, seven, eight years, they literally live in their office and they have a mat that they roll out and they sleep in their office. Have you guys heard stories like that, right? I mean, these guys like totally like bum it out, right? Um, if you knew that at the age of 60 or so, like you would become, like you're gonna hit the jackpot, like you're gonna be a billionaire, you know? Used to be, used to be millionaire and people are like, oh, but now it's millionaire's nothing, right? You knew you're gonna cash out, billionaire. And someone offered you, you know, some, something less at, at an earlier time. Would you make that trade? Would you, would you make that barter? Knowing for a fact that it's just a matter of time before that, you know, that, that event or that, that moment cash out. Um, you wouldn't trade that in. You, you, you would hold on. You, you would wait. And, and I think some of the best, you know, businessmen in the world, you know, understand that. They, they, they understand what they have. They understand it's not, you know, they're, they're not going to share equity. They're going to they're gonna build it up themselves. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna go through that struggle. In that same way, God's proposition to Abraham is, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You, your, your children are going to be countless. And yet we still see here the struggle comes down to timing. The struggle for Abraham is, but when? Right? When? God, I know you're good. <clears throat> I know your promises are true. <clears throat> But when? And we see even through Abraham that, that he falters. And God has to continually show. God knew it's going to take from this point to this point. Abraham doesn't know. And so Abraham needs a, a lot of encouragement. Um, you got to follow God's laws. You, you got to obey his words. We talked about two weeks ago how in his inability to wait, in their in their waning, you know, overall Abraham trusts. I think overall, as you see the scriptures, he trusts. But there are places, significant junctures, where he wanes, and and he and his wife compromise. Does that make sense? And though the promise eventually would come through Isaac, those choices to compromise uh, are not without consequences, right? Uh, uh, to this day, some could argue that that sin still to this day comes in opposition to God's promises to, to Israel. 
to, to the descendants of Ishmael. You can't, you can't get it down, exact science. Not, not all of uh, the Arabians or, or Arab nation uh, are descendants of Ishmael, but, but many can be drawn or linked to that. And so there has been you know, all sorts of quarrels and conflicts all throughout generations because of this one compromise. Right? And so I think the heart is really, don't, you know, wait on God. Right? Believe in God. Do what you know God wants you to do. And if you're not sure, then just wait. Does that make sense? Do what you know for certain it is that God wants you to do. And if you're not sure, then wait. Hold. Holding pattern. Right? <clears throat> um, you have to follow the laws. You have to obey God's words. It's not open to interpretation as far as you can know. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this, this idea of grace. And we, we've, talked, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's this phrase you may or may not have heard in, in recent times, but this idea of hypergrace. Have you guys heard that phrase? And hyper, the idea of hypergrace is basically anything goes. Anything goes. After Jesus came, New Testament, right? Here's, here's the idea. After Jesus came... New Testament, it's all about grace, right? God forgives you for everything. You can do whatever you want, you're forgiven, right? And so some churches, some pastors, some teachings, you only hear about grace, right? And it's, it's great, and, and, and it's good. Um, but I want to I wanna propose to you um, that to only focus on the New Testament, to only look at the New Testament, and to totally, you know, I've heard some pastors say, you know, when Jesus came and, and his teachings, it unhinges, right? It unhinges our responsibilities and connection to the Old Testament. And so there's a, there's a clear separation. And so you, people don't teach on the law. People don't teach. I, I want to propose to you, I, I met a guy by the name of Peter Sukahira, incredible mystery, uh, ministry in, in Israel. A Japanese-American, I believe, married to an, an is, is Israeli, right? Um, incredible ministry. I met him in Israel First time, uh, Pastor Sam took the staff and, and, and uh, some board members, and we did a, 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 an incredible ministry trip to Israel. Uh, really life-changing. It's incredible to see all these things you've been reading about and studying your whole life actually come to life, hang out um, in, in various you know, historical places uh, all in the Bible. Um, and he gave this great example. He gave this great example. His whole heart and ministry um, is to bring Christ to Israel. Um, to be in reconciliation, and it's really exciting to hear. Maybe, maybe it'd be great to have him actually come one of these days. But this is what he said. He gave this example of the the sport, you know, football. You know, it's been around for let's say like a hundred years, right? And um, everyone loves the sport. You know, there's all these teams and countries, and they go crazy. You know, uh, was it Argentina that won? And over the course of you know a hundred plus or whatever years at this sport, there really only has been one or two minor, very minor, doesn't really change gameplay, changes to the rules. But overall, you know, the length of the field, the goal, you know, can't use your hands except for the, you know, there really only been a handful of minor adjustments, you know, to gameplay, but overall, all the rules have remained the same. And he was, and he was just saying, if you were to change one rule, it would significantly alter 
the game. It wouldn't be the game that, that we know. Um, and he was just saying the importance of having rules, the importance of having laws, right? You know, when, when, we, when we talk about religion and our faith, a lot of people are allergic to laws and rules, right? Well, what is this, man? It's like, this is, church is all about grace. Um, and you have a lot of people who live out only grace. And, and, and to some degree, they don't really grow because they stay the same and they make the same mistakes. And then because grace is all consuming and covering, you just, you, you just, you just stay where you are, right? You, I mean, you age, body age, you look different, but on the inside, there's not a whole lot of growth and change, right? If, if, if it's all about grace, if it's all about grace. Um, I had a youth pastor when I was in college, you know, he preached in the main service. He says, you can't understand grace. You don't even know what grace is if you don't understand the law. How could you possibly know what grace is and how much God forgives you if you don't know how high the standard is, right? If you don't know the law and you don't have a standard, grace is just some free pass that someone gave you. Right? You're walking through a line and there's a game and you didn't pay for it. And some guy's just like, hey man, I got some free tickets, take one. Oh yeah, awesome, I get to go in. Right? But if you realize you know, what went behind and the cost. And so you can't understand how much God loves you and how much of a cost he paid if you think it was all free to begin with. No, the standard is incredible. The standard is unreachable. It's impossible. And then God took it upon himself and forgave us. Does that, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Um, and when it comes to laws, commandments, rules, guidelines, you know, even in the church, people are like allergic to it. If you want to put structure, if you want to give, you know, people are like, well, you know. Um, but let's all agree on, on a few things here this morning. You know, can we all agree traffic lights are good? <laughs> right? There might be times where you're like, oh, I hate these traffic lights. Right? Why, why, why can't there be no, so I can get to work, you know, and everything green light, right? But I think we all agree traffic lights are good. If you've been to a developing country where they don't abide by that, you know you've been stuck in traffic and any type of major intersection is like a nightmare, right? We know that traffic lights, green, red, go, stop, saves lives, right? If everyone did what they wanted to as fast as they wanted to because everyone has somewhere to be, I mean, people's lives would be, you know, there would be loss of life, significant. You guys agree? Traffic lights are good. They help, they actually help you get in the long run to the place you need to get, you know, in a more consistent, faster rate. It also protects you. They're, they're, they're safe rails, they're guard rails. Does that make sense? Um, so you need the laws, you need to understand there's certain rules and principles because God is the creator of the universe that if we abide by, we'll be blessed and, and, and you know, to, to do well, to follow his words. Um, I, I like, here's another a good example. If you don't understand the Old Testament, right, and you don't understand the laws, it's like coming into a really good movie at the halfway point. It's still a good movie, and you kind of figure out who the main characters are, and like, you know, the antagonist, and the protagonist, and the hero, and it's still a great ending. But you missed out a whole bunch of the context, the origin, how they got there, you know what I mean? So you can't detach the Old Testament, you can't detach the laws, you can't just be like, it's all about grace. It doesn't, it's like that's, you know, um, God has laws, 
God has very high standards. And then he paid the ultimate price so that we would understand and, and be adopted as sons and daughters. Does that make sense? And so as believers, we cannot neglect, we cannot say like, I don't have to follow these rules or, 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 or the things that God says in the New Testament, Old Testament, right? Old Testament laws are not abolished, right? They're actually fulfilled. They're actually fulfilled. They're actually upheld in Christ. And then, and then you know, Jesus just makes a, a, an open door so that all can come through him. But the standards and all and things are, are still there. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so we want to grow. If, if I'm, if I'm going to you know, get to the kind of bottom line, we want to grow. We, we don't want to just, you, you don't want to be in the mindset of, I want to live my life. You know, I, I'm a free spirit. I want to do what I want. And then the places where I mess up, I just ask for grace. And then in the end, I go to heaven. No, no, no. You want to grow. You want to grow to maturity. You want to have the mind of Christ. You want to have the heart of Christ. You want to know what, what Christ thinks in any given scenario or situation. You want to know what he would do. And then you want to come into alignment with that. That's, that's maturity. That's growth. That's spiritual growth. That's, that's discipleship. Right? Becoming more like Christ. Not, not you know... Uh, uh, you know, saying the same. Is, it, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that good? Yeah, is that a lot for the morning? <laughs> right? I don't think it's too heavy. Um, and so, you know, we talked about covenants, the laws, and, and um, I, I won't get into it now, but there's a lot, like Ten Commandments and certain principles. Maybe I can unpack it in the next, you know, coming, but there's something uber, like, spiritual, like God says, because He's God, He's, he's light, He's right. He knows what's good. And oftentimes, we'll say things like, oh, so spiritual. People are so spiritual. The church is so spiritual. Why are, why is people so rigid? But actually, when I teach in my uh, premarital counseling and, and uh, uh, pre-engagement counseling and, and in, in EG, you know, I start to unpack. And some of these things are highly spiritual and, and, and we don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It's a bit archaic. It's old school. Not really relevant for today. And so what most people find themselves doing is, is there's, there's like this, you know, cognitive dissonance. There's like this disconnect. It's like, I don't really agree with it. I don't, I don't even think I believe it, but I have to do it because God said it. Do you know what I mean? You know, and that's like a mark of spirituality, right? Like fasting. I don't, I don't really agree with it. I don't, I don't believe it, but, oh, yeah, I guess people do it. And so uh, I guess I'll just do it. And, and, and there's some blessing to that, right? But I don't want you to get some blessing. I want you to get all the blessing, right? Um, and so there's a lot of things in scriptures where it seems like just a spiritual practice and you'll still be blessed for doing it. But when you actually break it down, like tithing and giving, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, like, uh, um, um, you know, fasting, uh, uh, certain things, you know, these days it's like, uh, 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 you know, premarital sex, like, oh, that's archaic. I don't really agree, but oh, the church is always, oh, but there's some pretty fundamental, basic like truths behind it, you know, um, which I won't get into today. But, but uh, you should you should take you should take EG, and you'll get all that good stuff. I'm I'm serious. Like, I can't think of everything right now. But, like, you know, it sounds so spiritual. Do it. Like, oh, I don't want to do it. Okay, but I'll do it. Uh, and then and then I teach them. Oh, but you know, like like you know, tithing or giving. I think was one of them. And and there's a handful of you know, serving and, uh, um, you know, submitting to one another. But it's actually quite elementary. There's actually basic like human living day-to-day -day principles that apply and that if you do these things. Um, and so even, even if you don't know God, and there's places in scriptures, um, you know, I think in the New Testament where it says, 
they don't know God, but they follow the virtues or principles and they're blessed. Right? Because certain kingdom, God is truth. The way he created the world and how it works is truth. It's, there's principles. And if you follow God's heart of righteousness, whether you know him or not, you would be blessed. So, so you could have, a, for example, a government who doesn't particularly subscribe to God as Savior. There's no, in God we trust. There's no, like, you have to be a Christian to be in leadership. But if they were to follow certain principles, you know, transparency, you know, uh, uh, honoring people, uh, uh, you know, legal system, as a result, they would be blessed because they're following these virtues of, of the kingdom of God, even though they don't know the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? And they would still be blessed in their operations in the world. If you're not a believer, a non-Jew, and yet you, you, you subscribe to the practices of the, you know, of, of the Hebrews, and you, didn't, you, you, you wash your hands, you know, a, a ceremonial cleansing, and you didn't touch blood in animals, you would be preserved, right? Because no one knew 2,000 years ago that diseases are carried through blood, but God knew. But God said, don't touch the blood of animals. Oh, so religious. Other people are touching animals and they get to eat what they want. Oh, but we have to do this ceremonial cleansing and all these things. And well, a whole people and a whole culture are preserved while whole civilizations are being wiped out. Right? Does that make sense? It sounds so spiritual. Oh, why, why can't I? Ah, oh, God, you're so stringent. Okay, fine, I'll obey. I, I don't agree, but I'll obey. But then later out, the science proves the faith. <laughs> right? You realize, oh, there's actually a very elementary, basic, fundamental reason why we shouldn't touch you know, the lifeblood of animals or eat from the lifeblood of animals and things like that. Because we might get sick and die. Right? You know, God says don't have premarital sex and it sounds so spiritual, it sounds so religious. Well, no. No, there's, there's, there's all this language in the Bible about covenant, about making commitments and promises. Right? And, and, and you know, you want to birth a child or something or someone in a context where two people, where that child knows that there's, there's absolute love and shelter and covering, right? And so, so in pre-engagement and all that, it's spiritual. God says don't do it, but also, no, it's quite, it's really, fun. and I'm talking to engaged couples. No, it's actually quite fundamental also. It's quite, actually quite basic. Don't have sex because you might get pregnant, <laughs> right? And if you get pregnant, then that's all sorts of other issues that happen, right? So it's very spiritual. It's very like, you know, but then it's also very fundamental. It's like it's very elementary. It's like don't do it because this might happen, and then, and then it causes all sorts of, you know, after effects. Does that, does that make sense? You know, uh, give. You know, tithe. Um, you know, we should give. It's good. It's good for us. You know, it, it, it allows us to. Uh, uh, you know, it shows us a true reliance on God. You know, giving is the ultimate sign that you absolutely believe that God is your provider. And the inability to give, it's all sorts of you know warning signs. It, it, it's also bad, just fundamentally. You know, to always live a life where you feel like you don't have enough. To always feel like fundamentally, you know, a, a spiritual poverty. No matter how much you have, you always feel like you never have enough. You, you got to break that. You, you, we have to break that. So what's, 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 it sounds so counterintuitive, it sounds so spiritual. You give. You give to those who are, you know, who are in need. You give to those who are in a, a tougher predicament than we are. And then all of a sudden, these chains are loosed. And, and physically, emotionally, spiritually, we're healthier. Does that make sense? Right? So there's all these spiritual things that God says, hard to obey and sound so, but actually they're really fundamental. They're actually, they're actually for our own good, for our own well-being. Now, if you want to ask me, how did I get all that from this passage? That's a really good question. Because <laughs> I was going to go into two parts. And this part was the first part and the second part. Uh, let me wrap up by saying this, okay? 
all right? And I kind of alluded to it in the very beginning, uh, Genesis chapter 17, okay? Um, in fact, why don't you bow your heads, okay? Close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? I mentioned to you that God had to appear multiple times over 30 years, that multiple times Abraham was waning, right? That it took forever. God promised, as far as Abraham and Sarah are concerned, it took forever. And so God, it's your fault. You took forever. That's why I did this. And we all know that's not true. And we all know Abraham has to pay the consequence. And his sons have to pay the consequence. And all of Israel has to pay the consequence. But God still keeps his promises. Amen? I guess my heart is, no matter how much you're waning, continue to do what God tells you to do. Don't alter, don't change, unless you know for certain God said so. So God shows up a fourth time and says, this time do circumcision. And if you're Abraham or if you're like me, like what? Another condition? Like you made a promise and now you're adding stuff to it? And God is saying, I know you're about to give up. But look, here's another promise. Here's another sign. And I love Abraham. And this is why God says he credits him as righteousness. Verse 23. On that very day. That's what the scripture says. On that very day. Not tomorrow. Not a week later. Not after a couple months of wandering. On that very day. Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those in his household. And he had them circumcised. He still obeyed God. This was not according to to Abraham's plan. This was not according to Abraham's wants. This was not according to Abraham's timing. But he still obeyed. He still obeyed. Are you willing this morning to still obey what God has to say even in the midst of just like Abraham not his plan not his wants not his timing what would it look like for you this week this month to obey despite the pressing circumstances God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many. God promised that he would be the father of many nations. That first promise came in a word alone. That word alone caused Abraham to leave his family, his nation, and his, and his home and his country. Then he started to wane. God showed up again. Look up at the stars. They're countless, as many as you count. God makes a, 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 an agreement. Then he, some time passes and he wanes and he visits again makes the contract, visits and wanes again, circumcision. All along, God is showing him, I'm here. I know you feel like giving up, but I'm here. My presence is my covenant. My presence, my word is my promise. And then eventually comes a day 
eventually comes a day where God's promises come true. If you knew, if you knew at, a, at the age of 60 that the world would award you a billion dollars, would you wait? The answer is yes. If you knew that the fullness of God's promise would be released upon you infinitely for today and for eternity, would you wait? Of course we would. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to hold on, to wait, to obey, to follow the laws, to follow the rules, to hear God's voice. Thank you, Lord. God, we just come before you. God, we submit our hearts. God, you are good. You are great. We trust in your laws. We trust in your truths. God, we know that they're impossible to attain. Right? But you love it when we try. <laughs> it's impossible to be perfect. And only you are perfect. And the only way we're going to heaven is because of you. But you love it when we try. You love it when we trust you. You love it when we say, I don't have it in me. I don't know that I can. But God, I know that this would be pleasing to you. I don't have the full offering, God. But here's some of it. Here's some of it. He loves it. He loves it. When his children, when his sons and his daughters... Obey His words to the best of our ability. Yes, they're hard. Yes, they're so, you know, counter to all my friends and the people I love. But God, this is my way of saying, I love you first and I love you most. Thank you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's uh, respond in worship and praise. Let's just...